Thank you for joining us today. God is true to his word. He takes care of his children. In all aspects of our lives, we must make godly decisions and trust him for the outcome. The ever-increasing deprivation in our secular society is unrelenting, yet we should not be surprised because God said these things would be. We must stand firm, always making godly decisions no matter what. Listen as Pastor Rander ministers to us with Bible, pen, and paper handy. By the way, we do thank you preachers who for, for contributing because there so many pastors had come in and then they were over their budget. And so we asked the preachers and wives, would you be so kind enough to contribute to the cause? And, and they attributed some $1,200 or so uh, to help get pastors come. They were coming, they were walking 100 miles, t- taking shortcuts through the mountains to hear the word of God. We can't drive to church in a car, even through a fruit drops of rain. You know, just, just to see the commitment, the passion, the worship, the zeal. And yet the more we have, the more ugly we act. We have this entitlement mentality. What are you doing with my money? Well, if it's your money, you shouldn't have given it. Those people were free. They loved the Lord. They were content and they trusted God without a pantry full of food, without having the essentials of life. They loved their Lord. They loved their God. My friends, a, a lack of contentment in Christ will make you worry. First Timothy 6, chapter 6, verses 6 through 8 says, Now godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. Beloved, when you live godly and become satisfied and content with Jesus alone, your heart will be at ease. When you are content, your heart will be serene. Some of you are greedy. That's why you worry. You want more, more. I five, six, seven, ten, fifteen. Uh, you worry. Uh, you, you can't rest in Christ. Your heart. Your heart is supposed to be untroubled, but you're troubled by the cares of this world because you want more. If the Lord doesn't give us another thing, he's already given us far more than we deserve. How many of y'all believe that? If he does not give us another thing, he's already given us far more than we deserve. First Timothy 6, 8 says, and having food and clothing with these, oh, we shall be content. You, let me tell you something about contentment. Contentment is not circumstantial. In other words, it's not based on our circumstances. It, contentment is to have an inner tranquility from the Lord. Contentment is to have an inner tranquility from the Lord that surpasses human, human reasoning and human comprehension when everything else around you is falling apart. That, 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 that's contentment, you all. Contentment is not circumstantial. It is to have an inner tranquility from the Lord that surpasses human reasoning. You can't understand it. You can't comprehend it. When everything around you is falling apart, that puts your faith in God on display. I ask you a question before we transition to the next point. Is Jesus enough for you? Is Jesus enough for you? If he's enough for you, then why do you worry and why can't you be satisfied? Let's go to the next point, dealing with families. So families, 
trust God to remove the worry. Ask God to help you to rest in him. There will always be issues. There will always be problems. There will always be things topsy-turvy. But ask God to help to release you from worry so that you can live a qualitative life to the glory of God. Second point, like I say to families, are y'all listening? Uh, uh, number two, uh, 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 in decision making for the family that brings victory, husbands and wives must make a decision to remain faithfully married until death do you part and refuse to threaten each other with divorce when an issue arises. Did you get that? I want to say it again because it has profound significance. Husbands and wives must make a decision, say decision, to remain faithfully married until death do you part and refuse to threaten each other with divorce when an issue arises. You do this again, I'm going to divorce you. I'm not talking about people that's going around sleeping around, bringing you AIDS and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, I'm talking about uh, he forgot something at H-E-B and you're talking about you're going to divorce him. Okay, come on, get a man a break. If he's that forgetful, you go get it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right. Incom- uh, 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 incompatible differences, what is irreconcilable differences. Everything, irreconcilable, irreconcilable. She looked at me funny, irreconcilable differences. Uh, she don't keep her hair, irreconcilable differences. Uh, he's slow, he, he don't, he's not on time, he's not punctual. Irreconcilable differences, you love that word. Where's the word commitment? Say commitment. Love is a commitment. Commitment. Don't be threatening your husband or your wife with the big D word. First Corinthians 13, 8a says, love never fails. <laughs> That's a big one. Love never fails. You know, I don't love him no more. This Bible tells me love never fails. You willed yourself to love him once, you can will yourself to love him again. It is an act of your what? Will. Will. And Malachi chapter 2 verse 16a says, For the Lord God of Israel says, he leaves no doubt who's doing the talking, For the Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce. And even though there are very limited grounds for biblical divorce, the bottom line, even though there are a couple of biblical grounds, He still hates it at the end of the day. Beloved, do not look uh, at the the wrong role models uh, to to get help in your marriage. Don't look, don't you dare look at, don't don't make movie stars your role model. I mean, they they change uh, husbands and wives like they change in underwear. Don't look at professional athletes. They can't stay together for the most part. Don't, sure don't look at the politicians. Don't look at musicians. Because they are, they can be oftentimes your worst example. Let the Bible be your final authority of how to build the marriage. Realize, husbands and wives, realize you are two imperfect people. Okay? Two people making one flesh, but you're two imperfect people serving a perfect God. This means your marriage will have problems because of your imperfections. You will have challenges. There will be misunderstandings. However, take comfort that Jesus is the great problem solver and that there is no problem that intrudes into your marriage that he cannot resolve. 
None. None. First Corinthians 13:4a says, love is patient and kind. It's patient. You're to be patient with your wife, patient with your husband, patient with your children. We know you're not patient because you're not being kind. What you want? I told you once, you, you can't get it yet. You know, you're short, you're snappy, you're naggy, you know, and, uh, you, 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 you angry. But, 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 but those are signs of impatience. When you really love your spouse, you'll be patient with him or her and you'll be kind. In other words, you know your spouse's weaknesses and you know their strengths. You've been together long enough unless you just got married. Therefore, be patient with your spouse, give them room to grow, and allow the Lord to bring them into spiritual maturity in his time. Realize that only God can change your spouse. You are fighting a losing battle if it is your goal to make your wife do right. Make your husband move faster. Okay? Stop stressing yourself. You cannot change your spouse. Pray to the Lord who is able. And sometimes God is saying, you want me to change him, but I really need to deal with you. I need to change you before I change him. <laughs> so, uh, listen to this too, uh, uh, to husbands and wives. You cannot submit to one another until you first submit to the Lord. Uh, marriage is about submission. Ephesians 5.21 says, submitting to one another in the fear, the reverence of God. Husbands and wives both ought to be submitting mutually to each other. Mutual submission brings unity, which glorifies and honors our Lord. Submission cannot be imposed. I, woman, I'm going to make you submit. You go do what I told you to do. No. No. You might, you might get some your way. <laughs> no. You can, uh, wives, you can't submit him. You can't turn his neck and break his neck and all that kind of stuff. And get him to submit through your tears. You just cry because you know if you cry, you got him. Moving him through your emotions. You know, you're going to make him do that. In other words, you cannot force someone to submit. It must be an act of their will. We, we must have the attitude of John the Baptist that says in John 3.30, he must increase I must decrease. In other words, if that's going to be submission between husband and wife, you both have to allow the Lord to increase through you as you decrease your selfishness, your interest, your own way. You, 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 you learn to give and take. You consider the interests of the other. Uh, Romans 12, 10 says, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another. It's not what I want, honey, what you want. And it's not what she wants. It's what he wants. And y'all begin to operate in the unity of the spirit. Ephesians 5, 22 and, and 23a says, wives submit to your own husband. That means y'all not have but one. As to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. He's the covering. He's to be in charge and let him have the leadership 
of, of that home. Submission does not cancel out equality. Just because you're to submit to your husband doesn't mean the, the equality is gone, that you can't think that you're lesser intelligent and all that kind of stuff. It does, don't let the world put that kind of mess on you. Just because the husband is the head of the wife doesn't mean that the wife is inferior or of lesser importance than the husband. Though the roles are different in marriage, in the sight of God, we are both equal for Genesis 1.27 says, so God created man and man in his image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. In submission, husbands, you got to realize this, my, my friend, headship is not dictatorship. You're not to walk on your wife like a rug, mistreat her, throw her around, holler, scream. I'm the head of this house. You don't have to announce it. Just be it. Okay? Headship is not dictatorship. You cannot love your wife as Christ loved the church and be domineering, manipulative, and controlling over her. That hurts deeply. Ephesians 5.25 says, husbands, love your wives. You minister to her. You give her her place. You honor her. You open the car door for her. You, 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 you share with her. You don't, you don't throw around. You don't mess over. You don't cheat over. You don't talk her down. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, you got to be willing to sacrifice yourself for your wife to, to death do you part. I mean, somebody call a house at the middle of the night, you don't say, honey, answer the phone. If it's 11 o'clock, you answer it. You're the head of the house. Somebody knock on your door at an odd hour. Uh, honey, I'm in the bed. You go, go, go to the door. Cowards. You go to the door. You're supposed to be the strong man in the house. You, where's your muscles? Where's your spinach? Be, the scripture says, be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. Be strong. Go exercise so you can knock somebody out if they come in there the wrong way. Don't y'all say amen. Because my house, I'm going to get everything I got. Matter of fact, you don't know what I have in my house either. <laughs> oh, I'm back. <laughs> Hallelujah. We must, uh, another, let's transition to another insight. We must make a decision to build a strong spiritual foundation upon which to nurture our children's spiritual lives. That's so critical in decision-making. We must make a decision. We must make a decision to build a strong spiritual foundation upon which to nurture our children's spiritual lives. Parents cannot build a spiritual foundation for their children unless you go home and stay home long enough to build that foundation. You can't be a star everywhere else and strike out at home. You're on every board, every committee. You, you, you ain't all that. 
What does it profit you to gain all of that status, all of that notoriety, and your children have gone AWOL? Parents cannot build a spiritual foundation for their children unless they go home and take time to teach and nurture them. I love what Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 8 says. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, you, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Fathers, if you're father, say what you want. Fathers, God is calling you to be the priest and spiritual covering over your wife and children. He's calling you. You're responsible. He's calling you to be the spiritual priest and covering over your wife and children, taking every opportunity to pray over them, to to, to teach them, to model Christ before your family to show them healthy affection. A lot of your daughters look for love in the wrong places because they don't see healthy affection in the home. And they seek it in the wrong way out there and they get abused in the world. This can only be done by not putting men, this can only be done, and women alike, by not putting your career and your personal pleasure over the responsibility to your family. That's right. Don't put your career, your, sometimes you want that next promotion and you want more money and you want to go here and you want to go there and you get that, but then they have less time with you. You got the money, but you're losing your job. Can't help them with the homework. They're stumbling. They, they're messing around. You don't know where they are. Latchkey kid. Oh, you got the money. You got the position. Ah, so what? Didn't take all that. Do you realize little becomes much when God is in it. Amen. Sometimes everything that glitters isn't gold. And sometimes the grass looks green on the other side. I'll take that job. I take it. It's green on the other side. And when you get to the other side, it wasn't green at all. It was artificial grass. <laughs> oh, my God. Make Parents, make a decision to bring your children to the house of God. So many of you have your children here. That's wonderful. Bring your ch- That's not an option. Never ask your children, do you want to go to church? What? 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 Do you want what you want to eat? And the other folk want food. What you going to cook? Food. Food. Edible Food, okay? Leftovers. You don't like it? Wait till the next round. (laughs) Make a decision to bring your children to the house of God and teach them how to worship God. They catch the vision of worship from you parents in the church. Your children should be spiritually developed through Sunday school, but how can they if you don't know your, your Sunday school teacher's name? You don't, you don't even know what the curriculum is in Sunday school. You're not there, but you insist that they make secular school or Christian school or wherever they're going. But you bypass Sunday school. You bypass youth ministry. 
You bypass. You know, you need help, parents. You, you can't do it all. You need other people speaking into your child's life, too. You need to get them engaged in church. There need to be a spiritual connection. I know you're tired. I know you got to drive. So what? Your children are worth it. You only have one time to raise your child. Bring them to youth ministry. Bring them to Morris Youth Retreats. Bring them to vacation Bible school. We have these kids up here uh, reciting their Christmas speeches and resurrection speeches on the program, standing on stage. Where's your child? Parents, your children only have one childhood and you only have one opportunity to invest in them. Your children are worth the spiritual investment which will bring transformation to them. Prayerfully, they will affect the world for righteousness long after you're gone to heaven because you've invested in your child spiritually. Your children's spiritual foundation should be a priority over their extracurricular activities. Peewee ball, this ball, that ball, soccer ball, baseball, bat ball, cuckoo ball, ball, cheerleading, golf club, everything, everything under the sun. And they're having more of this stuff on Sunday. And all of a sudden, all of y'all out of church for the ball. You can't stand on a football. You can, I like what Coach Rackley said. You can kick a football. You can punt a football. You can throw a football. But you can't stand on it. But I know something you can stand on. You can stand on the authoritative word of the living God. Grass fade, the balls go, but the word of God lasts forever. And it's sadly, most of your children have in them more ball than Bible. What if they had more Bible, minimum ball? you would bring up spiritual giants to transform America, the likes of which we've not seen before. Wow. So, and then they'll bring transformation to other. Let's go to the next insight. Uh, a couple more and then we'll be done. Uh, we must make a decision. Make, we must be determined to make a decision not to be paralyzed by our pain. We must be determined as families. To make a decision, this is a big one, not to be paralyzed by our pain. You and I will not get through this life without experiencing physical pain. And some of you under my voice, you're in physical pain. I was was in pain with my back over in Africa, just pain. There's pain. You're going to have pain. There's emotional pain. There's sickness and disease. There's abusive pain, being misunderstood. People who have come into your life that you trusted that disappointed you greatly. You've been abandoned by that person you thought you can trust. That's painful. Injustice is painful. Perhaps it came from your mother, your father. Your children. Perhaps that pain came from your siblings, your in-law. Perhaps pain came from co-workers, supervisors. Perhaps the pain came from a friend 
who has become now an enemy. And you trusted them and you told them some of the most confidential things during the good days. And now that you're an enemy, they're throwing your business all over the streets to get even. How hurtful. How hurtful. And then some of your greatest pain comes from not Christian folk, but church folk. There's a distinct difference between Christian folk and church folk. When Christians say something wrong, they'll ask for forgiveness and they'll make it right. But church folk will go home, eat fried chicken and go to sleep. (laughs) It was religious folk that put Jesus on the cross, you know. Everybody that comes to church, regrettably, is not saved. And the devil's attendance amidst God's people is greater than our own. As a matter of fact, he's here when we're not. And there are some church folk who will hurt you right on out the door. There are folk who stop going to church because of church folk. Mean folk. Conniving folk. Lying folk. Gossipy folk, no good folk in the name of church. We lose when we say we belong to God, yet do not do the things he says. When we surrender our lives, we are saying that we willingly live in total submission to him. Jesus willingly suffered and died for us, thereby paying for our salvation in full. We must stand on the promises of God no matter what the cost, because in the end, we will inherit eternal life free of charge. The price has been paid in full. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching by Pastor Rander, please visit us at Maranatha Bible Church, located in Converse, Texas, or call us at 210-821-5683.